Podicumans. Brett Maddox here with another episode of the Podicesis podcast, a podcast about what Christians believe and why it matters. And we're so excited to have you back with us for this episode. And once again, we are joined by your very best friends and, by the way, the runners-up in the Turkey Carving World Championships, two years running now, Alan Kaysen and Jim Morrow. Carved I'm pretty, turkey. I'm pretty sure you said turkey eating contest. Uh, well, yeah, <laughs> I think <laughs> I think that's why you're the runner up because you were eat you were you were eating. Oh, I was eating instead of you carving. Eating, carving. I mean, but they you did such a good job of that that they had to give you second place. And then an hour later, I took a big nap. <laughs> mm. So here we are just before Thanksgiving. We are so glad for you to be able to join us for this episode of uh, the Podakesis podcast. And uh, we are so grateful, by the way, for our last episode when we had Dr. David Watson from United Theological Seminary. Um, by the way, guys, that was our most downloaded episode in the week that it was uh, released. I mean, amazing, amazing response to that. I told David that he's a podcast download magnet. It, he is a star. It was yes. crazy. Um, and, we and I, go ahead. Go ahead. Well, I think if you, uh, we talked about it during the the uh, podcast, but uh, the Firebrand Online Magazine, yeah, uh, is uh, point on point, especially for Wesleyans. And his most recent article uh, was fantastic. So you guys need to check that out and his podcast. Would you and, say that the Firebrand Magazine is on fire? That yes, you could say that. <laughs> Very good. And guess what? We may actually put a link to that s- specific article that uh, that uh, Alan was uh, mentioning there in the, the show notes. notes. There you go. Show notes, show notes. So, man, we're early in the episode to be bringing that up. So, show there notes. You go. This is the way. That's absolutely, absolutely. So, uh, thank you, uh, Dr. Watson, for joining us once again for that episode. And we are moving on in Wesley's revision of the Shorter Catechism and those questions. And we're actually taking on two questions today, uh, questions 13 and 14. And those questions are, we'll start with 13. uh, Did our first parents, Adam and Eve, continue in the estate in which they were created? Who would like to try to answer that? That's a lot of words. Yeah, that is a lot of words. I don't know. Maybe I do. Okay, go for it. Go for it. Um, Our first parents, being left to the freedom of their own will, fell from the estate in which they were created by sinning against God. So when we were, uh, where we're coming from, the uh, couple of episodes ago, we looked at this idea of general providence, God's providence and his creating, his hand and his creating. And then we looked at a more specific a piece of providence, and that was God's relational quality to his creation, to humanity. And we saw this uh, with the covenants and the idea of covenants, making this covenant. Now we're getting into this arena of did humanity stay covenantally, I guess you could say this word, connected, relationally connected to their creator, God. And as we see in the answer from from question 13, uh, no, left to their freedom, they fell from the estate in which they were created. They fell from that. And that's an interesting comment. I don't want to belabor this, but it's an interesting thing to say, this idea of falling, this idea of falling. And uh, I think it has a lot to do with just kind of the mindset of um, almost uh, a platonic mindset, if you know anything about a, a little bit of philosophy, of the good being up here, up at the top, and the bad being below. Um, I think maybe um, the uh, early Christians um, were using some of that thought in thinking about um, um, how to describe how what sin did in humanity. Um, so uh, we've got, did our first parents continue? Well, the answer is no, they did not. And then the question then comes because we now have introduced into the catechism this idea of sin. So the question that comes out of that is, what is sin? I didn't think that we were supposed to talk about that anymore. Hasn't the world moved on from sin? Everything's cool. You just follow your own truth. It's not popular, right? Are we about to lose all our listeners? We are looking at a document that was written in the 1600s and then was revised in the 1700s. So perhaps we are a little behind in our times. I don't know. (laughs) No, no. I kid, of course. Very important. What is sin? I just, how, how can we put that into words? Let me see. Sin is a transgression of the law of God. Now, what's on point on fire? 
Now, what's so interesting about this, and Alan, if you've got that catechism opened up right there, is that this is this is one of Wesley's revisions. Now, Ooh. in some of the revisions that we have seen, uh, Wesley strikes the question completely out. We've seen that a couple of times already, and we'll see that a couple more times. But this is one of the places where uh, Wesley actually alters the text. And he's known to do this. He did this with some of the Articles of Religion out of the Church of England. Um, it's kind of a bold maneuver to do these That's type of things. a bold move, Cotton. It really is. This and is so, the way. What's the original, uh, uh, Alan? What's the, what's the original? So the original answer is this. Sin is any want of conformity unto or transgression of the law of God. And so he strikes out um, any want of conformity unto or, and it reads, sin is a transgression of the law of God. So one of the things that Wesley's doing in this is, I think there's actually a couple. I think one is uh, he's simplifying it in, in a way. He's kind of just, he, there's a kind of a simplification to this answer. But I don't think that's the major reason for this. Um, I think that one of the uh, ideas behind this is that um, he wants us to understand what that being Wesley, that what sin is from a biblical point of view is a willful transgression against the law of God. A willful act, a willful thought, a willful whatever, but it is a willful thought that we do against the law of God. And we're going to explain a little bit more of this idea as we go further along. But this is interesting that Wesley would get into, uh, get, get into this pretty, pretty heavily. Um, let me say one more thing about Wesley. When it comes to sin, especially original sin, the idea of original sin, he wrote his probably largest systematic treatise on original sin as a uh, response to a, uh, a teaching from a guy named John Taylor who uh, wrote some things against the idea of original sin. And Wesley so believed in the corruption of humanity um, from, uh, from, from, from the beginning that uh, through, through sin, that um, he had to respond to it. And he did it with one of his largest, largest books uh, or teachings on this, some 300 plus pages long um, mm. uh, with all kinds of references and citations and things like that. So, so um, before you get the idea that when Wesley edited the question about sin, that he's, quote, soft on sin, Wesley right, right. is not. He edited this uh, item because he is so serious about uh, sin because when we understand what sin is, we more truly understand Christ, redemption, and salvation. Right. So I'm, I'm, we'll have a little bit more to say as we move along about what that edit means and right. why he might have chosen specifically some of those words in addition to what Brett's already said. Right. Well, and I think, um, you know, I think it is a good reminder um, about the willful choice, a willful transgression that is, that is sin. When we talk about fell from their estate— um, can almost in our modern language, we can think, Oh, it just kind of happened. Um, right. and, uh, I think about the phrase, you know, we, you fell in love, you know, mm. people just fall in love. You don't just fall in love. It sounds like you just fell in a ditch. You were just like walking <laughs> around and bam, you fell in a ditch. Uh, you know, that's not what happens. Yeah. yeah I, so, um, you, you, yes, there's these emotions that are involved, but in order, when you fall in love with, you know, our, just say our spouses, we had to work at that. Like we yeah. had to work at, at that relationship. We have to continually work at that relationship. The opposite is true. We have to work. Um, we have to, we have to, in sinning, we willfully make a choice. Yeah. We are choosing to uh, transgress against the law of God. So yeah. uh, I think that's a good clarification at the beginning. Awesome. <clears throat> Absolutely. That's, that's so great. And, 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 and let me just say this. In just a second, um, we're going to mention something that um, Alan was doing a little crowdsourcing for a sermon of his um, that dealt with this. And um, uh, some interesting things came out about how we, even some preachers today, even some Christians today, think about sin and our natural proclivity. By the word, that's the word I was looking for a long time ago. There you go. Proclivity. That is <laughs> proclivity. your $15 yeah, pot of keys no, for the day. 
Yeah, yeah, potty humans. I was before we got started. I was racking my brain over that word, and there it is. Boom, just came up. But anyway, that is our pretend proclivity to sin, our natural inclination to do that. So, but before we do that, let's look at some scripture, like we uh, like like we like to do. And for question thirteen about where um, uh, if if uh, humanity, if our original parents, if you will, uh, stayed in the estate they were created in, uh, we're going to look at Genesis chapter three. Uh, verses 6 through 8 and verse 13, and Ecclesiastes 7.29. And I believe that Alan Kaysen, the runner-up to the Turkey Carving World Championships, um, will be uh, reading these uh, to us. My, my prize is that I get to read to you scripture. <laughs> um, so our first is uh, Genesis chapter 3, verses 6 through 8 and verse mm-hmm. 13. Um This is the story of the fall of the Garden of Eden. Um, It says, When the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye, and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and ate it. She also gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate it. Then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they realized they were naked, so they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. Then the Lord God said to the woman, What is this you have done? The woman said, The serpent deceived me, and I ate. And now Ecclesiastes? Ecclesiastes seven twenty nine. This only have I found. God created mankind upright, but they have gone in search of many schemes. Ooh, yeah. So that so the idea behind this too, as we lead into what is sin, is notice the how the scripture proofs here are uh, having us think about what humanity is doing, what humanity is doing. This almost willful act, um, this action of disobedience. Um, scheming of, of of pride of these type of things. So uh, let's move on then to question number 14 and the scripture proofs for it. And remember, question 14, what is sin? Well, sin is a transgression of the law of God. And this is coming from 1 John um, and Jim. I believe you have that one. We're going to read chapter 3, verse 4. But later on, if you want to look at this, uh, verse 9 and forward will will possibly be important to our conversation. So here's the proof for the catechism. Everyone who sins breaks the law. In fact, sin is lawlessness. One of the things you will notice about John in the gospel or in his letters is how... um, black and white he is yeah it is especially he, in first john he is very binary yeah you, you are this or you are evil god right. is this and is not that and he's taken i think a lot of that inspiration from uh the old testament uh that you there's two paths there's the path of life or the path of death and you can you know the path of righteousness the path of wick, wickedness and he he lays that in front of us and so um in John chapter in 1 John chapter 4 he'll say god is love and here in uh 1 John chapter uh in chapter uh where where is it 3 <laughs> 3 thank you in 1 John chapter 3 yes i do read the bible every now and then um it says that sin is lawlessness and so the Greek word for sin, I'm going to mess it up, but I think it's hamartia. I think that's how uh, it is pronounced, harmat- That'll har- do. hamartia. But then you'll notice this word lawlessness. Um, it comes up in its um, anomia or autonomia. And it just means uh, basically uh, no laws, like the yeah. idea. Um, so um, you're not following the law of God. And so the idea behind lawlessness is it is an active or willful disobedience. Uh, Phil Talon, in his Absolute Basics of the Christian Faith, he used language of treason is the idea behind it, uh, behind sin and the need for, uh, and, and, and reconciliation or redemption is waving the white flag and saying, we give up our treasonous rebellion um, against God. So, that's what we've got going on here. This idea, what is sin? This is a huge question. And listen, in the next uh, several minutes, we're not going to be able to answer everything about this. But I think that the objective we have with this episode is to say that we at the Podacusis Podcast believe that sin is a serious thing. It is a serious thing that has dire 
consequences to not just our physical lives, but also our eternal lives. And so uh, we, and, and we, we stand on the shoulders of giants of 2,000 years of church history and theology when we make, make, that, uh, make that statement. So uh, some questions that come up about this coming from these uh, catechistic, catechistic questions and, um, and, the, and the scripture uh, verses that go along with it. Um, first of all is, let's just go to that first question. We won't spend a lot of time there um, because I think it's pretty clear. Did they stay in their fir- in the estate in which they were created? The answer to that is nah. no. Nah. No. 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 But the idea here is they left the freedom of their own will. They left by their own, they left the freedom of their own. So the question comes, whose fault was it? The devil made me do it, Brett. That's true. That's true. Well, the devil devil didn't make them do it. That's right. The devil. But if only you wouldn't have done this, I never would have had to do that. (laughs) So you know what's interesting about this um, whole take on whose fault is this? Uh, is it the devil's fault? Is it someone else's fault? Is it God's fault? I've heard that. that you know, God could have fixed this whole thing. It's his well, that, fault. That's that. That comes right out of our predominant culture of lack of responsibility. Nothing will ever be my fault. It's always somebody else's. So, what's interesting about this is, uh, what would you say is the source? Is that right? The right word I'm looking for. Source. Uh, what is the? Uh, yeah, what's the primary sin or the source of sin itself? Alan or Jim? I don't know, Brett. What would you say it is? <laughs> I just didn't know if y'all wanted to join the conversation. I don't know. Uh, well, well, there's, there's a go ahead, Brett. I think. Uh, well, well, what go I was going to say say it with this was uh, uh, traditionally the word pride has come in that uh, you've got. Um, you know, traditionally, you've got kind of the uh, the fall of Lucifer due to some pride or whatever in, in the heavenly realms, and then that b- was pushed on to us, and that our pride got becomes the source. But Wesley would say it's not pride that is the source of sin, but it's unbelief. Yeah. Unbelief becomes the primary or the foundational actor or action or thing that it becomes the source of all the sin or and that word unbelief has it it has with built within it this idea of trust and yeah, this really you, that. well, you know, well that's what the, the the serpent comes in and says oh you won't die you know because right. god had told him that if you, you're going to die if you eat this eat this fruit and so um satan comes oh no Psh, what are you talking about um right. and they did not trust Adam and Eve did not trust God. And so, right. yeah, I would think. Um, right. So, that, yeah, absolutely. Uh, Dr. Kenneth Collins out of Asbury Seminary, Wesley Scholar, he, he actually did some work on this in his book called uh, The Theology of John Wesley, Holy Love and the Shape of Grace. And um, he talks about satanic evil or the evil of Satan. And he talks about, he kind of gives it in this chart format of uh Ooh, like, kind of the, charts. like the way that it the way that it unfolded within Lucifer himself would have been through self-temptation, um, pride, self-will, evil tempers and affections. Whereas for Wesley, uh, Wesley understood this as uh, uh or I, w- I should say this chart is built upon Wesley's understanding. So the satanic evil and then for Wesley human evil came from external temptation, unbelief pride, self-will, evil tempers, and affections. So for, for humans, according to Wesley, it wasn't pride as the primary factor. It was actually um, uh, unbelief. External like, temptations moving into uh, enticing us into unbelief. And I like the qualification you made about trust, because we use the word believe a lot in our uh, regular Christian circles, believe in God, do you believe in God? And uh, in our regular way of speaking, that simply means like, do you think this exists? Mm, mm-hmm. um, and that's not sufficient e- for anything. And the question, do you believe in God? Um, if you believe God exists, the scripture doesn't say that leads to salvation. Oh, that's um, right. That's absolutely right. Yeah. And so unbelief by itself isn't, oh, well, if I squint my eyes hard enough and try to believe that this is even more true than I thought, doesn't carry the weight of what Brett's mentioned with unbelief. Right. Uh, it carries that trust measure, that 
I am willing to uh, order my life as such around this thing. Right. Absolutely. Um, so it's a, you, it's a weightier word. Go ahead. You can believe something exists, um, but it's a different thing to, to trust in that thing. Yeah. For example, right. if you're a skydiver and you've skydoven, I don't know if that's the way to say it. <laughs> yeah, we'll go with it. Dolven? Dolven? Guy Dolven. Like the guy from Frozen. I know. I feel like we're in Frozen. <laughs> oh, my gosh. So you skydive all the time, and you know that, um, gosh, the skydiving accidents are really rare. The parachute comes out 99.999% of the time. You absolutely trust that you believe that it's, it's there. Um, somebody has packed it. Um, you've got to, even though statistically you know that it's, that it's packed, it's going to take that 0.01% of trust in that to make it happen. So it's not just simply, I believe that this is packed, but that I trust that somebody packed my parachute well. That's right. Right. Absolutely. Before you dove in. Before you dove in. <laughs> dove in. <laughs> so, <laughs> so um, off the rails. So a couple of questions then come up out of this is what is a transgression then? Um, if, 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 if sin is, uh, a, um, a willful uh, transgression against God's will, if it's a willful transgression against God's law, uh, then what is a transgression? What does it mean to be lawless? Mm. And by what law are we, or what is the law that is being broken? Mm. So that, that, I think those are some important questions that we have to that we have to deal. With. What is the what is going on here? What is the law of God? Uh, you know what's interesting is David Watson in his book Key United Methodist Beliefs. By the way, that title is it, this this book really is more Wesleyan, pan Wesleyan than it is strictly for United Methodists. I think that was a publisher's type title that was mm. thrown on here. Um, so I highly recommend this book. But on his chapter, his and Abraham um, Billy Abraham's uh, chapter on uh, sin. He says that uh, just simply that sin is a violation of God's will. Often we hear, he said, quote, often we hear uh, talk of original sin, and Wesley certainly believed in the power of original sin. The topic comes up frequently in his sermons. But the uh, original sin, um, let me see, continuing on, um, but the idea behind uh, what sin is in us is not just the corruption of original sin in our lives, but also our active breaking of God's law, mm, right? Active breaking of God's law, and so that becomes an important piece to this. Well, I think um, it goes back. It goes back as you asked earlier: was um, did God cause this? Right. Um, and there's a way you could answer that and be yes. In 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 the in this in the fact that God gave us our our the freedom of our own will as the as the answer to the question says left to the they left the freedom of their own will mm-hmm. god um chose um in his providence we just talked about to give us a free will to choose him or not to choose him mm-hmm. to choose his will or our will um and i love the analogy in the, uh, the absolute basis of the christian faith um um, the idea of uh, a boy and a girl, um, a boy likes a girl or a girl likes a boy, and um, they could give them a Cupid pill mm-hmm. that makes them fall in love with them. Um, and they could just, she, that you know, live happily ever after. But if, if they took that pill, they would, they had no choice in, in, in loving the other person. And right. so um, the whole idea of God not wanting us to be robots, he wants us to actively choose him and so with that with that will is the option for us to actively not choose him mm-hmm. which would be transgressions uh, yeah that's right yeah and so you think about the english word transgress if if i walked over to my neighbor's yard i've actually transgressed the boundaries of our properties mm. um it, it's a crossing over it's 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 more negative than that even it would be if my neighbor said don't come here mm-hmm. and i infringed on the boundaries mm-hmm. of of that and so a transgression implies some boundaries that are set for us. Now, who likes boundaries? Ain't nobody like boundaries. Um, but uh, as we heard in many of our with many of our guests, God's boundaries aren't limits to repress us, but they are more like the 
guardrails on the way that leads to life. Yeah, right. And so if you transgress that boundary, you have gone off of the path. And even worse, you've infringed upon God, who is pure goodness and love, and that is an offense. Yes. Yeah, you could say that the law of God is God saying, this is the way. Absolutely. 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 So uh, interestingly enough, when you look in the Old Testament at the idea of law, uh, the word that comes up is the word Torah. Uh, yes. We know the Torah to be the first five books of the, uh, of the Old Testament. Um, we also know it, the Torah, to be summed up in uh, the Mosaic law itself, uh, the 613 laws of Moses that he, that guided everything from the religious um, life of the Israelite to their some of their political life and and how they lived kind of in between in between that and so that's why this word law gets brought up uh, this uh, is translated um, like it almost becomes like a legal thing but the original uh, understanding or sense of the word Torah wasn't a legal understanding it was more of a, an in, the word instruction or teaching. Um, and the idea of instructing one um, into the way of life itself. And so uh, this gets summed up in my favorite passage of Scripture. Uh, Cue Deuteronomy 6. <laughs> Deuteronomy 6. You know, at this point, I could just pull from past uh, episodes and just kind of put that in mm. here. I don't even... Yeah. But uh, from Deuteronomy 6, uh, which Jesus quotes in Matthew 22 with the, with the greatest commandment, to love the Lord your God and love your neighbor as yourself. Uh, the law and the prophets themselves um, are summed up in that. Be, so it becomes an instruction of life. It becomes an instruction of how to live uh, the life in which God has created us to live. And I think that's key too. It's mm -hmm. not how to live the life we want to live or that we think we deserve. It is to live the life we were created to live. And so uh, what is the law of God that we are transgressing against? Well, it is the law of life. It is the law of, it's that instruction of life that God, it's, it's his will, uh, will for us. Um, you know, sometimes when we talk about law, you even have, um, there are schools of evangelism that will break out simply the Ten Commandments and let you know that you've broken every one of them and you're a sinner, so you need <laughs> yeah, Jesus. Right, right, right. Uh, which is, it, it, that, that's fine. Um because we are all sinners, despite what we'd like to think about ourselves. But when we think of the law, a lot of times our mind will immediately go back to the rules and especially the Old Testament. But it's important to remember that God, uh, the Bible speaks of God writing the law upon our hearts. Mm -hmm. And then Jesus saying, I have come to fulfill the law. Uh, and then so you've got, and then Jesus summing up the law, as you have mentioned. So it's not just that, well, I don't think that what I did technically violates anything in the book of Leviticus or Deuteronomy, but um, God in Christ actually seeks the full fulfillment of that. So there's, there's a wider sense that sometimes you can't just go in legalese and just that you can't go in legalese and justify yourself with God uh, outside of Christ. Right. To simply say, well, you know, uh, if you look at the precedent set by Exodus so and so, <laughs> I didn't technically. That, that that's right, and um, I have heard that from even seasoned Christians. You know, well, I didn't technically do anything mm -hmm. wrong. You know, um, so uh, the uh, so I think one of the helpful things for me is to think about before we talk before we can kind of understand. Um, the active transgression against God's law, we need to also have an understanding that there's this natural proclivity to break God's law, um, which we understand as original sin, um, this, uh, this nature within us. And, um, you know, what's so interesting about this is, like I said, a few weeks ago, um, Alan's getting ready for a sermon series. What was the sermon series called, Alan? I was doing a series on heresies, just, yes. um, uh, it was based off of a, a Lifeway research, actually, um, <laughs> on just took a poll of people and various topics of, of the faith and mm -hmm. in it were a couple of surprises. So, and, and what was very surprising is self-described evangelicals mm -hmm. who, when talked about their understanding of human nature, um, their understanding of human nature, 
I mean, uh, like more than half, wasn't it more than yeah, half? Yeah, the statement was um, everyone sins a little, but but most people are good by nature. That was the that was the statement that was provided, and you either agreed or disagreed. And more than half, um, like 60%, something like that, agreed with that statement that uh, most people sin a little, but um, everybody sins a little, but most people are good by nature. And that's the key right there, that last part. Right. You know, everybody sins a little. I think most evangelical, most, I guess, Christian or people would understand that everybody messes up some a little bit here or there. You don't even have to be a Christian or a believer to, to get that, to understand that. But really what was shocking was among evangelicals that last part, right. but that most people are, are people are born good or mostly good. Well, and and and, and 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 basically, what we have to realize is that if everyone sins a little, then then most people are not good by nature. Right, it's um, logically self defeating. Right, to <laughs> sin to sin is 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 right is to not be good. Um, and I you know so I posted this I posted this question on Facebook. You know, a lot of pastors will do it like sermon material yeah. the week before and just ask the question: Do you do you believe that most people are good by nature. And it was really interesting. Um, so we had you know, some um, uh, people who I believe are Christians who were very defensive in that and, believe, you know, quoted scripture yeah. and talking about how, um, know that we're not uh, good by nature, that we are sinful by nature. Then others, um, well, some maybe in the church or, or maybe not really, you wouldn't call them church, um, believe that people learn we learn um, sinful uh, mm-hmm. behavior. We learn it. It's the whole nature versus nurture idea. Right. Right. Um, and to a degree, they're right in the fact that before we're ever born, we do learn it because we, because of Adam and Eve, we are, right. we're born um, um, in, in our sinful nature, but it was just a very interesting uh, conversation, yeah. I guess. Con- you I know, guess you'd call it conversation on Facebook. Yeah, you know, what was most interesting to me looking at that was the um, the qualifications that people would put on it. Even people who were pastors or, you know, theologically trained or whatever, but even, but, but also among the non-churched or the, the semi-church, the, this idea that people would like to put qualifications on it, almost like um, uh, we know that Maybe, maybe there's some something going on there. But if you consider this and you consider this, or we're not like this, or we're not like that, or um, you know, the qualification when kind of historically and traditionally within the church and coming from a biblical foundation, uh, the church has always held on to this idea that uh, no, we're we are corrupt from birth. Yeah, I think it's a, I think it's um, it's a reminder that it's not our eyes are not the ones that are judging. It's God's God's right. standard. That, that's exactly God's right. um, way that is being uh, that we're talking about the, His law. Um, actually, earlier in Ecclesiastes, in the same chapter that seven um, seven twenty nine that we read seven twenty says, "There's no one on earth who is righteous, no one who does what is right and never sins." Mm-hmm. Um, and and so we were we're all born into this state, and but then we are also. Um, you know, then we also have to, we choose it. We, we, yeah. um, we and then we it. choose yeah. to act on it. Yeah. There, there is, there's a, a truth in the saying that I am in sin and I sin. Yes, that's right. So yes. you also have an, another metaphor is I have the disease of sin and sinning is my acts of sin are my symptoms. Correct. Right. There's sin and sins. We focus yeah. on, we focus on sins because that's what we can see. We can see mm-hmm murder. Um, I mean, let's just all the big ones. We can see all the behavior that we call sins, but it is sin, that disease that you talk about that is fueling the behavior. Right. Um, And when you think about it, it's like, it's hard to believe, especially because you think of maybe newborn babies are so cute and wonderful and pure, and then they get corrupted (laughs) by this broken world. Right. Um, right. but when you're looking at your frame of reference, when everything around you is very broken by the nature of uh, the corruption of sin, you'll have to remember back in Genesis, it's not just like Adam got his hand slapped and Eve got her hand slapped. Um, they hid from God, but also God said, cursed is the ground because of you. Mm-hmm. Everything is corrupted. So when you look, your frame of reference is nothing but corruption. You look at something that's a little less corrupted. Right, right, right. Good. Right but it doesn't mean that it is when you back up and look at it against the backdrop of our perfectly good creator. Yeah. Yeah. Isn't it amazing? Like I actually, I actually will retaliate against this too. Like 
when people say, no, you are not good by nature. I mean, how many of you like to have pointed out your wrongness? Right, exactly. It's, a, it's like yeah, a right. huge natural broken reaction. If we're honest, we all kind of feel it. Um, there's nothing worse in, in the mind of a perfectionist than making a mistake, except for one thing. It's when other people notice it too. <laughs> That's um, yeah. but there's But there's a retaliation against that. And so you can find a very postmodern redefinition of what it means to be in sin. Right. Right. Uh, a questioning of what is sin and um, uh, absolutely. Or whether well, or not fact, we to are the good. point of I made a mistake. Right. Uh, it was an error. Right. Uh, well, a, a poor judgment. But in order in order to deal with our state, we've got to accept. It's like the first step is mm-hmm. accepting that there's right. it's admitting yeah. there's a problem. Like and, the doctor's not going to prescribe you a medicine for something he can't diagnose. Right. right. Right, and so we've got to we've got to be honest, and that's what I think is the importance of what we what we're what we what we're doing now, and what we have mm-hmm. been doing, and what we'll do is just focusing on the truth and why it matters, and and mm-hmm. we have to come face to face with the with our sinful nature. Right. Um, yeah. McDonald in his commentary on this question in the seedbed publication of Wesley's revision, um, I, he, just three words he lays out kind of in the middle. Um, well, he says this, he says, a superficial theory of sin is the root of many errors as to the atonement, the deity of Christ, and holiness. In short, it, um, it uh, vitiates all Christian doctrine and life. And then mm. on down, he just says, sin is satanic. Mm. I mean, just lays it out. And what he's talking about is not just the original fall of humanity that corrupts us. He's also talking about the willful, active disobedience to God's will that we choose to do in a act of treason against uh, the King of Kings. And so that is uh, something we have to come down to. And, uh, you know, one passage of scripture that is very helpful for me in this, and it's one that is, it's one that's helpful because of what it shows um, and like, if you keep reading into the uh, uh, chapters following it, you start seeing a lot of hope uh, that comes out of this. But the prescription um, is is an amazing thing. And that's in Romans chapter one, verses 18 and on. And Paul will talk about God giving us over to our, uh, our, our desires, hmm. right? Giving us over, saying, all right, if that's how you want to be, that's how you're going to be. Now, what's interesting is when God gives us over, if you keep reading Paul in Romans, there's an answer to that corruption. There's an answer to that, to that, uh, uh, to that life of, 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 of treason and of rebellion. And the answer is Jesus. We'll get to that in just a minute, by the way. Jesus will come up in just a second. But if you read this whole litany, this list of things that Paul lists, lists out, it's all things that are done willfully that's things that are carried their acts it's it's murder and it's gossip and it's i mean it's big stuff and little stuff it's all and you get to this last part where it says and they invented ways of doing evil hmm. which is paul's way of saying and if there's things i left out it's covered by this so uh, we have this proclivity to sin and we do it we we just do it because that's what we know and um i think wesley he uh, he, he really kind of um, hammers this point home, I think, really well, talking about kind of the consequence. The, the reason we willfully rebel against God is because that's part of the consequence of original sin itself. It's part of our nature, our corruption to do this. And so Wesley kind of lays out kind of three um, consequences to original sin. And uh, one, he says that uh, because of original sin, we're all born atheists. That's <laughs> how, mm-hmm. how he puts it. And he, but it, we have no knowledge by nature. We have no knowledge of God. Um, and uh, that, you know, and if you think about it, that makes a lot of sense. There's this veil that is put up. There's this, there's this separation between us and God because of, because of sin. And Genesis actually lays that out for us kind of in a, uh, in a, a figurative sense with the whole angel at the entrance of the Garden of Eden and Adam and Eve. Being with a flaming out. sword. With a flaming sword, absolutely. This is the way. So he says that we're, um, uh, we're all born atheists. And then he says the second consequence is this, uh, because of atheism, um, we, we turn inward and start idolizing ourselves as gods. 
and that becomes the the source of pride within us. This uh, th- this pride that wells up and, and gives us uh, we start the way I like to put it is we start believing our own press right we huh. start uh, that's we, a very gentle way to say it <laughs> yeah that's exactly right uh, we start glorifying ourselves is the idea there and then the third inheritance or the a consequence that comes out of original sin sin is self will itself this idea that um, uh, not only are we self uh, uh, um, you know we 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 idol idolize ourselves. Um, but we also then um, actively work to lift ourselves up and to rebel against our Creator because that's our natural tendencies. And uh, uh, Dr. Watson spoke to this last week, but it, you know, go back and read Romans chapter seven and read it of this idea of that what I want to do, I do not do, but that which I do not want to do, I do. It's almost like, where is the hope in that? I've often said if Romans 7 just ended, like if Romans at ended with the end of Romans <laughs> 7, then there is no hope left. But then you get to Romans 8, right? For there is therefore no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Mm. And that's Paul's way of saying, but there is an answer. <laughs> right. There's an answer to <clears throat> this problem. There's an answer to this issue. So um, we've talked a little bit about why this matters, but I do want us to uh, quickly kind of get into a little bit more. Why, why does this idea of original sin, why does this idea of lawlessness, this act of transgression against God's law, His will, why does it matter? Um, and, you know, it's very problematic to talk about sin today, um, even in a church, even in a Bible-believing church. It is. Um, it can become politicized. Um, it can become... Uh, well, you must hate me because, or you must hate my, you know, this person or that person or whatever, because this is, you know, this is what you talk about or, or whatever. It, it be, sin becomes a problematic thing. And so what we tend to do is stop talking about it because we don't right. want to, ups- we don't want to ruffle feathers. We don't want to upset people. And I, I just, I have to believe perhaps that is the wrong thing to do. I think <laughs> one of the most prophetic voices we can have as preachers and as Christians, not just the people in the pulpits, but as your Sunday school teachers and your Christian leaders in your community is to understand the log that is in our own eyes and the log that is in other people's eyes. In other words, understand that I'm a sinner, you're a sinner. I transgress against God's law. You transgress against law. We are in need of grace. Well, I think it goes back to the first question that, you know, um, what is our purpose? It is Mm. our chief end is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. Mm -hmm. And our sin and our our state of sin, original sin, all of it is keeping us from doing that. Mm -hmm. Mm. And there needs to be a solution. You go back to the whole idea, idea of providence and God's creating us. And how did God view us at the very beginning? Mm -hmm. We were good. Mm -hmm. Actually, humanity. Very good. Very good. Uh, very good. Um, and so you could just stop the story there, but no, we have the we have what we just read to, uh, today in, right. in Genesis three, the fall. And so God, but God wants to restore us back mm. to that very good status, um, and that is why He sent Jesus. Romans three he said the righteousness of God um, has been made known, and that is uh, it's given through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. Mm-hmm. So. Um, that is, I mean, sin is so important. Why else would, would Jesus, I mean, that's, why does it matter? Jesus. I mean, like, (laughs) I mean, that's Sunday school answer right now. I mean, Jesus. Jesus. um, Absolutely. That is absolutely true. Again, I'm going to go back to that image that Phil Talon gives in absolute basics of sin being treason against the king. But what we know is that when we lay down our arms, when we wave, wave, wave the white flag, when we say, you know, he, he doesn't come to behead us, what he does is he says, come home, right? Like, like, that's the biggest, most beautiful thing about this to me is that, uh, yes, we've got this, we've got this uh, inclination to rebel, and we do. And we make excuses every day. We make excuses. Well, this is who I am. I'll just do me. I'll just, you know, I, this, you know, who are you, church or pastor or God or whatever to tell the me? The serpent deceived me. 
That's mm-hmm. yes, exactly. And I ate. Right. right. And that's really what's being said when people push back and say, you have no right to tell me that what I'm doing is sin or what the way I'm living is, is wrong. You have no right. Basically they're saying exactly, well, it was the serpent's fault or someone else's fault or what, this is not true. You know, this is not yeah. true of me, but it's true of everybody. And that's the wonderful thing. Like if you look at uh, uh, Wesley's teaching on this, sometimes he gets criticized for being too soft on uh, a thing on 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 stuff or or whatever. Uh, but one thing he is not soft on is sin. He is a no. reformed person through and through, like a part a man of the Reformation through and through. He believes in the total depravity of humanity. You want to know what unifies every human being on this planet? It is our sinfulness. Hmm. Yeah, and so this is problematic in in a handful of ways. Like, so one, for example, one of the reasons that we get pushback about sin, uh, about talking about sin, mm. is because um, it, people mistake the identification of sin as um, rules to disenjoy life. But what we've completely missed is the fact that you are not enjoying life the way you think you yeah, are. Right, right. That's and, so good. And and our and, and I think there is something to be said about the failure in 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 within the church um to adequately talk about what it means to be forgiven of sin. There are mm. some people who love convicting people of sin more than they love Jesus. And so well, because it's somehow there is something powerful about wielding the word of God and being able to say you are a sinner. Now there is good work in that because we can utilize the conviction of the Holy Spirit. Uh, God can use us in that in other people. But remember, we have to love Jesus more. And as Brett quoted Christ, we recognize that we are in the same state. And so there's a certain gentleness and care with which we do that with other people. Now, the other end of that is that why is it important today? Let's talk about why it's important to be very clear in our understanding of sin, our sinfulness, and the remedy. Because we no longer live in a day where sin matters to people because the framework of culture and uh, morality has drastically shifted. It is not now culturally normal to assume that the path that God has laid out towards life, be it ethically and morally, is what people believe anymore. Mm-hmm. We make our own truth. We live our mm-hmm. own truth. Truth uh, doesn't matter. Anything that comes from on high or meta narratives like, Uh, God is the creator and redeemer, are distrusted. So it's important for Christians to get very, very clear about what we mean by sin, as well as what it means that we are sinners. Because also what will happen, and what has happened, is it trickles into the church. Mm -hmm. The the idea, for example, let me give you one, one concrete example that we have in our United Methodist Church. Why do you love being a United Methodist? Grace, baby, grace. We love mm-hmm. grace. God is love. Mm-hmm. And those are absolutely true statements, but mm-hmm. they become devoid of all meaning if we do not understand what sin is. Keep That's grace. Right. Right. Because it becomes, as Bonhoeffer said, cheap grace, and it becomes as in, no, man, it's all good. We, God loves you. I love you, which are true things. Right. But, uh, and then the, one more thing, I'll quit talking, but on the other end of that, people will retaliate way too far and say, um, and, and really try to push on sin more than Jesus because they're, they're pendulum swinging against cheap grace. Mm-hmm. It becomes tough law, cheap grace. Mm-hmm. So many reasons it becomes important to talk about sin today. Well, I think that's what, you know, Wesley would talk about holy love, not right. just, um, not just love, like, um, hippie love. I don't know. Just sorry, but like a holy love. <laughs> sorry to our entire hippie community. Yes, right. Exactly. <laughs> well, so an official apology. We love people, but there's a accountability to that love. There's um, there's an expectation of response to the grace of God, right. um, to His forgiveness. That there is a yeah. That there's accountability. It's a holy yeah. love. Yeah, that's absolutely right. And um, it's because of his love. And I do think we need to get it. Well, we're, and the, the catechism itself will get into uh, the Jesus bit uh, soon. The Jesus bit. The yeah. Jesus bit soon. In fact, there's a lot <laughs> let me, there. Let about. me jump in one more. Yes, um, why, why does it matter? 
So I'm notorious for waiting too long to get the oil changed in my car. Mm. And you know what happens when that, that you don't, you're not lubricating the gears and the engine and the parts, it starts to grind against each other and everything starts to break down. Right. Well, people are breaking down spiritually. Yeah. But without understanding what sin, that sin is the cause and therefore Christ is the cure, we're doing everything else we can to fix ourselves. Mm. And it's leading us actually further and further away. And so our lives become less and less lived in the full glory and enjoyment of God. We are designed in a way and living right. out of that design. So we'll so, uh, you run in self-help it. You'll run and um, every diet you can do to fix it. Mm -hmm. We are disordered and we don't know what to do about it. And we, and if we take our eyes off of the truth of God and the harm of sin, then we don't even know what it looks like to be ordered. Mm -hmm. And we'll continue to, to be like the engine in the car in our disorder and further degrade and mm -hmm. um, harm ourselves mm -hmm. and others. That that really is that's a that it really is a good word uh, because um, and I and I do as we are kind of drawing to an end here I do want to end on a good note on this because ultimately people will say you know where is where is God in this or where is um, you know you know it, it you can you can talk so much about sin itself but when you talk about sin without talking about Jesus. Uh, then you run the risk of never talking about Jesus. Like it, the, the, uh, the salvation life, what the kingdom of God, what Christ came to do never becomes the center focus. Uh, the central focus always is King Jesus sitting on his throne saying, come home, come home, come home. That's always the, the, the idea there. Um, you know, Wesley was talking about uh, the, one of the uh, effects of the fall uh, is we're atheists. Uh, we, we, we have no natural inclination that God is even there. And so prevenient, God's prevenient grace, he reaches out through the power of his Holy Spirit or through the words of that, that nagging aunt who's telling you to go to Sunday school or that loved one who says, hey, come to church with me or hey, um, that, that, that friend of yours who has had that same struggle uh, with um, addiction or pornography or whatever it is themselves, but has found freedom in Christ says, hey, look, I've been there. I've been in the same ditch you've been in. Let me tell you how I got out. Um, and so I think of, I think, gosh, I wish I could remember the exact uh, uh, passage of scripture on this, but how will they know unless someone goes to preach, right? That idea, how will they know? You know, there's this sense that we're all sinners. We, we, we've transgressed against God's law. But if you're in Christ, there is no condemnation for you because now you've got the spirit of life within you. And now you're being tasked to go tell others, hey, look, Sin doesn't, this does not have to be your life. You were created for something that was even greater than this. You know, all you ever talk about is this and that. All you ever talk about is this sinner, that sinner, you, you know, whatever. No, what do we need to talk about is Jesus, lifting high yeah. the name of Jesus, because yeah. Jesus is the answer to these questions. Jesus is the one who sets us free. And um, I love that passage out of the Gospels. If I, as Christ would say, if I, even I, am lifted high, I will draw all people unto myself. And unto myself. And the goal of the church is to lift high the name of Jesus. Why? For our glorification? No, no. The church will be glorified, but that's because of Jesus. It's not for our glorification. It's for his glorification. We lift high the name of Jesus so that the people, so that the lost, those who are hurting and dying, who are sick, who are, who are in need of, uh, of freedom that they may not even know they need, can see Jesus and come running home and come running home. And as you are listening to our podcast today, wherever you are, whatever struggles you're going through, Alan, myself, and Jim, we've been there, and we probably are there even now. None of us are perfect. I will just admit I'm a hypocrite. I, I, I struggle with stuff in my life. But here's the deal. I know that Jesus loves me. I know that Jesus has forgiven me and has, is working in me, and I will strive to my last breath to live for him. And if I screw up, I'm going to get back up, not under my own volition, not under my own strength, but under the power of Jesus Christ, who has come to set all of us free. So if you need to know 
Jesus today. If you need to know how to be freed from the thing that is shackling you and keeping you from being who you were created to be, if you need to know him, we want to talk to you or pray with you or send you an email that just says, hey, we love you and thank you. And here, get, here's how to get into a good church wherever you are. And you can email us at podichesis, at questions at podichesis.com, questions at podichesis.com. Or you can even call us. Um, I'll leave a phone number here in just a minute, or you can message us on uh, uh, Facebook or Twitter or wherever. But just just hear us. When we talk about this, this is not just some exercise of, you know, three guys getting together to talk some. This is life for us. I, I, I think Jim and Alan would agree. I hope you would with me. Um, I didn't get into ministry for money or for fame or fortune or any of that kind of stuff. I got into, I got into ministry, eight, one, because I felt God saying, this is where I'm calling you. But I also got into ministry because I know who I was before Jesus. I know who I am now in Christ, and I want people to know who they can be in Christ as well. Amen. All right, guys. Anything else on uh, sin itself? So let me ask, uh, Podichesis guys, uh, Alan and Jim, uh, officially Podichesis, the Podichesis podcast, are we for sin or against it? We get it. Again, oh, we get it. Sin ain't we good. get it. Yes, yeah, guys. Sin. All of this talk of sin has led me to feel the need to make a confession to our product human community. I told Alan that if he would find a way to quote the Mandalorian and say this is the way two times in the episode, that I would pay him five dollars. And, and I just got my Venmo confirmation. <laughs> in the email. Yeah. yeah. So, he, so upheld, he upheld his end of the bargain. Yeah. So yeah. what you need to do is you need to go back. We drop Easter eggs in all of our episodes. So not only will you learn more about Wesley and <laughs> theology, classic theology of sin, but you'll also have a chance to hear um, our challenge come to life. That's so awesome. <laughs> That's so awesome. Um, so, uh, yeah, thank y'all for joining us again on uh, this episode. Um, so this is what our plan is. Um, we will have, um, I believe, we are going to have um, a, a episode 14 coming up in a couple of weeks. And then we will have a special Christmas episode where the Potokesis, uh the trio we'll here. Christmas carols to you. <laughs> no, we're not. Gonna we're sorry. That. No, we're, we're not doing that. But I thought we would get together and talk about what Christmas means to us. Oh. So. <laughs> and your heart will grow three sizes that yeah. day. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, uh, we're looking forward to that. And um, my, my friend Andy Bowen uh, made a, a special holiday Christmas version of the theme song I'm excited to drop as well. So that's going to be a lot of fun. And then we're going to take a couple of weeks off for the holidays and come back in the new year. But uh, we still have episode 14 coming up next in a couple of weeks. And the question that's going to be asked from there is going to be, what was the sin? So now we're getting particular. What was the sin by which our first parents fell from the estate in which they were created? What was the sin that they fell, but that pushed them over the edge, if you will? So, Next time on the Potokesis Podcast. <laughs> so uh, thank you so much for joining us on this episode of the Potokesis Podcast. You can hit us up, questions at potokesis.com. You can call us on voicemail and leave us a voicemail. We may even play your voicemail in an episode. We would love to. We'd love to. And that phone number is, everybody got your pens, pencils, writing utensils, whatever it is, 404 404- 404-635-6679. So 404-635-6679. And you can find us on social media at Podakesis on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And uh, yeah, just let us know that you're listening. Leave a five-star. You know, last time I, I this, I've done gone a couple weeks without or a couple episodes without talking about leaving a five-star review. So um, leave a five-star. If you're thinking about what to get me, Brett Maddox, for Christmas, <laughs> I would love wrapped in a little bow, a five-star review on Apple, uh, on iTunes. So, yes, I would love it. I would love it. So leave a five-star review. Um, Even put a little comment there in it on iTunes. And then you can also, you know, uh, you're listening to us now wherever you are, but you can tell your friends they can find us everywhere 
be it on Apple iTunes, be it on Google Play, Spotify, wherever we're on YouTube. Um, Amazon. Amazon, we're on Amazon. We're literally everywhere. But I guess that's enough of that. So we are so glad that you were with us. We hope that you have a great day and happy, happy Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving. Happy Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving. Yeah. Carve me a turkey. Yes, I'm going to yes. go eat one. And we'll tell you if uh, Jim and Alan were able to take it on this third year for the World Championship uh, Turkey Carving uh, Championships. Um, I, I, I don't know. It's in uh, the bag. Uh, he says it's in the bag, but Alan looks a lot uh, very hungry. No. So I don't know what's going to happen there. So we'll let you know next time. But anyway, we hope you have a good day. And happy Thanksgiving, and we'll see you next time.